I looked and behold, the heavens were opened. A ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. A lot of the time, people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking the questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? have their own ministry. It doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do, or whether you're quote unquote in ministry, you have a ministry. As we mature, we walk, we, we enjoy our relationship with God as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us, not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him. So faith, so, so salvation by faith. Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas, like what is biblical love? You know, what is, what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but his love, like through us is why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why it's called Messiah Matters. Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 397. I bought a new modem, but it's not going to be here for a couple days. So next week, no glitches, we hope. My name is Caleb Haig. Nice. Uh, for the first time, I think, in our history, I am without a beverage. Oh, I'm Rob Van Hoff. So it's going to be a short I show. Went to, I went to grab. Do you need to text your wife and ask her to bring you something? No, because I, I don't have my phone. With that's okay, I'm good. <laughs> oh, this could be this could be a short show, folks. Okay, hey, so I want to. <laughs> if I, I get parched, I'll just like. Oh, you have to excuse me. I I uh, I want to finish this conversation real quick, and I and we will try to leave all names out of it. But um, here's the here's the conversation that was was taking place before we came on air, and that is how should we phrase this without getting ourselves in trouble. When we look at Messianic Jewish synagogues online, their, their online presence, okay, their websites, and we look at their statement of faith, what do we assume when we read their statement of faith about God? And this is going to play into what we talk, I think this will play, we don't really know what we're going to talk about today. This is the second shortest amount of notes I've ha- ever had on the show. That with and me without a beverage, yeah, oh, yeah, this a couple a, we're, this, we're in, this ten minute long show. Yeah, that's right. But but the but so the, Rob my assumption said, now, I think like I've been, I I think this is like dawning on me, Caleb. Like my new assumption is if it's Messianic Jewish, it's probably they don't believe in a, a triune God. Yeah. Okay. So yes. So I said that beforehand before we came on air. Rob sent me a specific statement of faith. And we're not going to, I won't share who it is, but they say, we believe in one God. God is the creator and ruler of all things. He alone has made, has made. Is this the hyphen does, God? Yes. One? Does make. I call it hyphen God because it's G. Hyphen D. And will make all things. He alone is our God. He was, he is, and he will be. He is the first and he is the last. The Aleph, Alpha, and the Tav, Omega. And besides him, there is no other other. Now, let's pause right there because... 
Rob comes in and says, well, okay, Yeshua says about himself, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Okay, so it, at this point, it sounds legit. So as we're reading this together, Rob says, what do you think so far? Would you think that they believe in a triune God? And my response was no, because they're messianic. That like they have claimed to be messianic. It's in their the title of their of their website, messianic. Okay, now, now please don't send emails yet. I'm not saying that messianics outright deny the Trinity. That's not what I'm saying. There are really good messianic congregations that accept the Trinity and have it in their statement of faith. For instance, my father's congregation, Beit Hillel. If you look in their statement of faith, I believe the first thing they say say is that they believe in the Triune God. The point here is is that. For me, if it says Messianic, but they don't specifically say we believe in the triune God or have a statement about the Trinity, chances are they have taken a rabbinical approach to it and they believe in the Ain Sof, they believe in the 12 emanations of God, they believe in something, they reject what they probably view as the Catholic version of God, which is, in their view, the Trinity. Okay, so let's keep going with this statement of faith. I know that we just jumped in, that's okay. They say, in this statement of faith, we believe that Yeshua of Nazareth is Hamashiach. We're not going to uh, talk about all of the misspellings here. And the primary builder of the kingdom of heaven. We believe in his miracles and that his shed blood and death atones for us and justifies us before Hashem. We believe in his bodily resurrection, his ascension, and his return in in power and glory to judge the living and the dead. So I, I suppose the only thing that they say here, we believe that Yeshua of Nazareth is the Messiah and the primary builder of the kingdom of heaven. What's interesting about this is that they never say, we believe he's God. There's no assertion at all that they don't try to reconcile at all whether or not he's the son of God, sent from God, whether he is God, if he's yod heh vav They have no language of divine. They have nothing. So my assumption here with this specific statement of faith is that they deny the Trinity. Rob? Yeah, I don't know. I have to say this, though, is that statements of faith, like what we believe statements, those are... Those are difficult because you're asking you're asking someone to boil down like the whole scripture, right? And so I want to give some leeway of like, okay. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, on yeah. that front. Um, no, hang on just a sec, because you said something just a few minutes before we came on, and I was by that time I was in I was in um broadcast mode sure, trying sure. to get everything put together to but, but I, the john 17 project yeah. uses the exact same um the exact same wording that you used not you weren't using it you were referring to someone else using this same terminology the john 17 project says what do you think about dr eagle germans or germans or i don't know how to say his last name way of expressing it instead of trinity he says unified plurality well, that that could be that's totally Jewish, but that's not that's not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's that could be the philosophy wrote right. Yeah, that could exactly. be all the exactly. the Kabbalistic view of the emanations. I, I I'm going to be completely honest with it with everyone. I I'm not very familiar at all at all. I'm not at all familiar with uh, Doctor Truman's uh, uh, work. I know that he works with. Uh, Dr. Michael Brown. Um, I think that there are some theological issues with Dr. Brown, and uh, but but some of the work he does is, is very good. But I have no clue which way Dr. Germans or German. Somebody describe how I say his last name. We'll just say Germans for now. Uh, Egal Germans. Uh, I don't know how what his theology is. So it's going to be really difficult for me to attempt to try to talk on that. And of course, once again, our stream is like choppy. Uh, anyway, keep going. So, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I just think I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just recognizing that, like, wow, you know, that I think, I think, from my limited experience over the last twenty five years, that I would, my guess is that if something is Messianic Jewish, if it's, if that's part of its packaging. 
that it's most likely downplaying any language of triune God. I agree. And and instead, they're going to be using the word divinity, or, or they're going to say Yeshua is divine. They're going to say... Okay, yeah, we got to talk about that in a few minutes. Keep going. Yeah, they're not going to say he's yod Vave in the flesh. And, and I... That's something that it seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that probably I would say most people who, I don't know if I'm going to get the uh, virtual tomatoes thrown at me, in the Hebrew roots scenario and in a Messianic Jewish scenario, I think you probably are going to see a bulk piece of that pie that are putting Yeshua as, you know, eternally subordinate to the Father Sometimes as a creation, a created being. You mean, to- wait, hang on just a second. Let's qualify that. You mean totally subordinate in both directions. Yeah, yeah. And and to the point that you don't you don't pray to Yeshua. Right. Right. Like like you don't like people saying that 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 Yeshua is not a recipient of prayers. At this point, but at that point within theology, all you're saying is is that Yeshua is simply an agent of God. Yeah, and that like if you were praying to Yeshua, he'd say, "No, uh, no, don't pray to me. Pray to God." Right. Right. Like like in Revelation, remember, John falls down at the messenger, and the, but the messenger's not Yeshua at that point, right? He says, "No, I'm one of your. I'm among the brothers." So. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're we're touching touching on stuff we've talked about a lots of times. It's like, wh- how do we talk about Yeshua accurately? How do we talk about Yeshua biblically? And we recognize from the get go, there, even in Yeshua's own preaching, because he says, "Many will say to me at that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name?" And he's like, "Depart from me, I never knew you." So we know that from the get go. The identity of Yeshua was a matter of contention between people right. and that Yeshua said hard things. And sometimes like in John six, right? Yeshua says, will you two leave now? And he said, no, and Peter, I think it's Peter says, where are we going to go? You alone have the words of life. Right. Um, Thomas says, my, well, doesn't he say my Lord and my God to Yeshua? Yeah. They cry out, save us. Yeah, no, wait, 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 yeah, but but, uh, but Peter but, in the water says, "Lord, save." These are from the Psalms. These are what is cried out to Yod Hey right? But you know that that people are going to say, "Oh, yeah," but but when Thomas says, "My Lord, my God," no, 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 there should be you know there should be an apostrophe there, and and the, the, according to the Greek, it, there shouldn't be, right? What, Wallace, what, what do you mean an apostrophe? Like he's just like. My, my God. Lord, like <laughs> like 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 a, like my Lord Yeshua and my God. Oh, oh, gotcha. but but yeah. uh, this is uh, didn't uh, Doctor Wallace do his entire uh, dissertation on this and show that the it's the Granville Sharp rule? I don't rule. know. That's a good yeah. question. I don't know. It's he 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 did his whole uh, his whole dissertation on this, and and he he shows that this is the Granville Sharp rule, which means that they're no, it they are combined according to the Greek, my, my Lord and my God. In, in Acts seven, when, when Stephen says they went on stoning Stephen, he called out on the called on the Lord and said, "Lord Jesus, receive my spirit." <laughs> Falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, "Lord, do not hold this sin against them." Look, man, I I said this last week. I'll say it again this week. I uh, because of my conversations with Unitarians, the Unitarians are the ones who have convinced me of this. <laughs> that if I'm not joking, the Unitarians are the ones who have convinced me of this. If you don't, they, they're if you, like, ah, oh, we're going to change our marketing strategy. Yeah, exactly. If you believe that, it, like, it, either either the scriptures teach that Yeshua is Yodhe Vavhe in the flesh, or the scriptures are wrong, and we have to throw out the New Testament, and we have to throw out Yeshua. One of those, it, it, it's one of those two. There's how no, the, how explain it? Can you give some examples of how the Unitarians actually 
Well, I mean, just like, just all of their explanations of Scripture. They they are dancing around. They they're not being honest with Scripture. Uh, John eight fifty eight is a perfect example of this. That they, they can't get. They cannot explain. I am, or the Philippians pass Philippians two when he when when it says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Yeshua is Lord, right? That he is Kurios. The, the Unitarians they they have no good response to this, so they make up all this stuff that that totally negates all of the language and all this kind of stuff, and they they try to they're trying to force puzzle pieces where they can't go. And so if we just read the text, we have to we have to look at it and say Yeshua is clearly Yod Hey Vav Hey. And so you have to either take that or leave that. Either you take it and you say uh, Would you would you say is there a fear? Like I, I'm trying to identify with it's I mean it's hard for me to imagine. I I because I don't believe it at all. It's hard. Right. I, I can only kind of imagine like what someone must like what are okay. Did they have a feeling that it's blasphemous? to call a human god is that kind of a deep rooted aspect of that like like i'm in dangerous territory like this is islam right i mean islam is 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 monotheistic religion but they're like there is like you cannot take any man and they they put yeshua in in the any man and put him next to put him next to god yeah, I think that it, where Unitarianism really stems from is this idea from the Tanakh that, or the whatever you want to say, the Old Testament, the, the First Testament, is this idea that God continues to call himself one. He's not going to give his glory to anyone else, all these kind of things, and therefore Yeshua can't be God. And then they get into New Testament texts. They, you know, they have misunderstood and they have incorrectly interpreted Christ's words when he th- says things like the father is greater than I and, and things like this. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to take the difficult passages and they're trying to say, oh, well, I'm not, I'm going to take all these little snippets and I'm going to put them up against that instead of trying to take uh, the scripture as a whole. The other thing that they've done is, is the Unitarians have totally neglected the the fact that God says no one can see me and live, and yet God shows up in pre-incarnate form uh, throughout the scriptures in the same passages, in the same passages where he says no one can see me and live. And so they've totally tried to weasel their way out of this this seeming contradiction. And the, the ultimately what it comes down to is we are humans. We cannot describe and understand God he is beyond our comprehension. And so the Unitarians say, no, he has to be able to fit into my understanding. So I'm going to try to work all that out. And that's just not the way it works. And then then what they'll do is they'll say things like, oh, the Trinitarians always have to rest on, well, you know, God, it's something we can't understand. But if you read scripture and just allow scripture to, to be what it is, uh, there's no way that you can get around the fact that God, that Yeshua calls himself God, that Paul calls Yeshua God, that the you know that the Bible clearly states that Yeshua is God. The fact that he makes heaven and earth, and then in throughout Scripture it says that Yodhe Vavhe made heaven and earth. Okay, well that was a lengthy okay, intro. Okay, here, here's. Here's another aspect to this. Okay, because I, I I somehow I got on Jews for Jesus mailing list like years ago. And I don't have a bone to I don't have I'm not looking to pick a bone with Jews for Jesus at all. I don't know much about them. But I just want to know this summer I got a series of emails from them. And and it's not me personally. It's like dear friend, right? It's just a, a can you contribute, make a gift. And the the message that I saw is the the heading of the email, the one I got, the one of them this summer is exactly this: the New Testament is forbidden in Israel. Well, I know that that's not true, right? Now I know that it's true that there in some ultra orthodox communities they have gone and gathered Hebrew New Testaments and they burned them. Right. Right. But that would be no different than like we saw in Florida. Wasn't there a guy who got a bunch of Korans and burned them? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's it's like it doesn't mean that the Quran is, is outlawed in America. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's it's true that 
there is hostility in certain places uh, in Israel. But this, I, I'm, I really disagree with the head, the subject line, which is the New Testament is forbidden in Israel. And then I got another one that here's another one. Uh, Shiloh waited his whole life for this forbidden book. And, and if you look at this, the, the, the unpacking thing is that it is, oh, oh here's one of these. What, what is it? Um, oh, where'd it go? Here. The life-changing words of this book have been kept from my people for over 2,000 years. That's in bold. The life-changing words of this book, and the, we know the antecedent is the New Testament. The life-changing words of the New Testament have been kept from my people for over 2,000 years. And, I, and so they're seeking donations to help evangelism. Right. And they come up with the price for $150 a Bible. Like they want to reach, so they give their goal is $150,000 they're trying to raise, which is to give 1,000 Bibles to 1,000 Israelis. Are they flying? Are they flying each Bible there? (laughs) I I don't know. I'm like, and then it says that they've already had uh, Christian organizations give donate them the Hebrew Bibles, the Hebrew New Testaments. So it's just about getting the news out. And I'm like, this just doesn't. This doesn't sound right. $150 a Bible, and the Bibles is not part of that 150 bucks. They already have the Bibles, and it doesn't fit right because. I've been in Israel. I've been into bookstores. And there's New Testaments there for two bucks. They're not forbidden. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing is that I too don't want to down a a company. So I'm I'm just saying this messaging doesn't sit right. I don't have a problem, you know, with them asking for money and support for mission work. I'm not against that. I, I don't have any bone to pick with them particularly. I'm just thinking about this this particular marketing kind of uh, spiel that's presenting to the Christian world, English speaking Christian world that thinks, Oh, the new Testament is forbidden in Israel. Like, like if I flew to Israel and had a new Testament in my baggage, like, am I going to be a target? Like that's the kind of thoughts that would logically stem, right? Like this is the deal. Like if you're going to Iran, and you have a Bible in your backpack, especially if it's if your Bible is in uh, Farsi. Okay, that would be something. First of all, flying into Iran would be uh, scary. And I know you know people have done it. Missionaries do their work there, but that would be a legitimate thing. Yeah, we're getting uh, Bibles in Farsi into. Iran. Okay. That would be like, Oh, that's an email I would click with, but new Testament forbidden in Israel is that's not right. That's so here, here, here's the thing. Okay. Go ahead. I'm not on their email list, but somebody put me on their mailing list. I can sign you up. No, somebody (laughs) signed me up. I'm not joking. They, they send me stuff in the mail all the time. Oh, phys- like snail mail. Physical stuff. I never signed up for that. So, I, I mean, we don't. Anyway. All right. Let's, let's no, move I, on. But I had a question here. So this, this is going to come back around. One of the Messianic Jewish rabbis, and you could probably tell me which group they're from, is Dr. Mark Kinzer. Right. And do you know what, which... UMJC, IAMCS. UMJC, IAMCS. Keep going. Okay. He made a statement that the Jewish no to Jesus is, now I'm paraphrasing, but basically Judaism's no to Jesus is Judaism's yes to God. Do you remember that? Yeah. And, and, and the way he, the way he, it was like this catchphrase. But the idea was actually, you know, when when Orthodox Jews reject evangelical messaging, it's because it's it's the evangelist's fault. It's the evangelist's fault because they're representing a Jesus who is anti-Torah, who has a history of persecuting 
Jews, like Holocaust, right? They'll bring up like Holocaust. This comes from Martin Luther, ultimately. And what about the the violence against Jewish communities throughout Russia and Europe by, quote, Christians? And what about the Crusades, right? So all these things you feel like, oh, wow, you know, Christians are bad. Christians don't even know who Jesus is. They treat Jews horribly. Christianity is anti-Semitic. And here they're trying to tell Jews who are actually trying to love God and keep the Torah about this Jesus that. Okay, come is, on. What's, the, what's the question? And so, so, so when, so Mark Kinzer was saying, who's a believer says when the, when those Jews say no to Jesus, they're actually saying yes to God. And then I take that with this Jews for Jesus message says, my people have been denied. What was it? Uh, it's been hidden from them. This book has been kept from my people for over 2000 years. I'm just trying to like, do these portrayals even fit on the same puzzle table? Like, are they in the same worldview? Does the worldview of the Jewish missionary saying these words have been kept from my people for 2000 years. Is that even in the same arena as Kinzer's statement that says the Jewish no to Jesus is really the Jewish yes to God? Or are these, are their worldviews of these two people so radically different, although they both claim, share to be Jewish believers in Jesus? Caleb, okay, I, I butchered through that. Can you kind of get at what I'm talking about? I think that they're the same message, but I think that where they're coming from, where they're trying to come from, is this notion that what that that the the religious Jews in Israel see Jesus as the Catholic Jesus. And so within the communities, within the within the Jewish non-believing communities, especially the ultra-Orthodox, what they're doing is they are outlawing uh, any any form of the idolatry of the Catholic Jesus. Now I think that this has expanded to incorp- to be incorporating the evangelical Jesus, quote unquote, as well. So when you see, you know, when and we've seen this even from our good friends. We have good friends who have said, you know, oh, please don't bring evangelism to to uh, Israel because the evangelism that you're bringing is this white Christian Jesus uh, that uh, is is not the the Jewish Jesus that needs to be given to the, to the Jewish people. I understand the argument. I understand the argument from people in that. I disagree with it, and the reason why is because that the evangelical Christian Jesus that has uh, that has. Uh, been attempted to be given to the Jewish people is the same Jesus that has uh, saved people throughout history. Now, are there some details that are wrong? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit can't work on a person. I mean, this is how the Reformation, the continued Reformation is happening in the church today and in the, in the synagogue today, right, is that we have uh, Jesus shines through because the scriptures are sharper than a two-edged sword, right? So it doesn't matter what, you know, the, the message, it doesn't matter what the messenger believes himself. It matters what the message actually portrays to the people because the true messenger is the Holy Spirit. That's my take on it. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that, that ultimately the idea of, well, you know, any ultra-Orthodox Jew in Israel, whether they will or not, that's not the case. Can they go into Jerusalem, walk into a bookstore, and pick up a New Testament? The answer is absolutely. Are they going yes. to? Probably not. Or, but some of them obviously have, right? Because we have Orthodox Jews that have converted to Christianity and or have converted to Messianic Judaism in Israel, and they're now doing work to convert other Jews. So I agree with you. I think the messaging is wrong that like, oh, the New Testament is outlawed in, in Israel or, you know, this, this message has been kept from my people. I, I don't, but you know what? At the same time, I'm not an evangelist in Israel. Last time I went to Israel, you know, I, I attempted to evangelize a bit in Israel and uh, it was met with harsh resistance, but only the Lord knows. All right. With that introduction... But I would just modify Kinzer's statement. Orthodox Jewish no to the evangelical Jesus is the Orthodox Jewish no to the evangelical Jewish Jesus. Jesus. It's not a yes to God. I agree with you. I completely agree with that. Because there is no yes to God apart. So is there a yes to God apart from the gospel? 
No. Is there, is there a way that Jews can somehow say yes to God? But this is what we see in the Messianic movement, right? We see people saying that, oh, you know, uh, the Jews have rejected Jesus, but, G- and this is one that uh, Biltz put forward, but the, but the, the uh, Yeshua has been given the name above all names. So if Jews, even though they curse the name of Yeshua, if they accept yod heh vav then they're, they're saved. They're worshiping Jesus, even though they don't know it. Exactly. So, so that, that's a part of the gospel we don't see. Because as many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? He's like, I never knew you. Then there's going to be people who go like, oh, he, Yeshua's like, yeah, you were worshiping me the whole time, and, and you didn't know it, but I knew Ha-ha, it. Ha-ha, come on in. Oh, wow. It's, uh... Okay, let can, can, stop now. Okay, I'll stop. 253 <laughs> is the way that you can become part of the conversation. 253 you can also shoot us an email, chegatorresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. Uh, okay, keep going. No? Okay, let's uh, let's oh. move on then. I, um, I did have a question, just a footnote question. What is it with capital G hyphen, like hyphen God? Like it, is that, because we, we know like it, you can look at the ancient Qumran, you know, Psalms where it'll be like, what we call Hebrew script, which is right. really like the Aramaic script. And then they'll, they'll put the tetragrammaton in uh, paleo. They actually put Elohim in paleo and they put even the word Adonai in paleo sometimes, like literally Aleph Dalet Nun Yod. Okay. So the idea of setting apart, and then we know that, that in the recitation tradition, you see Yod Hevafe and you say Adonai or Hashem, right? Um, and then we know that the Septuagint uses kurios, right? Things like that, where there is what we call the, the circumlocution. That, right. So it, it manifests both in written form as a visual component. And even in our, a lot of, I think, uh, Christian Bibles, that'll capital L-O-R-D, all four capitals, right? So, you know, oh, okay. So, and that's even then that, even though that Christian tradition in English has even bounced back and is reflected in some Jewish English translations, they do the same thing. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Okay. So now is this, so is G slash D is like another, it's a circumlocution from an English word. So it's, we're avoiding an English word now. Whereas the other examples are, you're not trying to avoid the word Lord. You're just writing the word Lord. Oh, haven't you seen people do it with L dash RD though? Oh, I see that all the time. So now we're avoiding the English word. So are we, okay. So my question, and I, I, it sounds like a silly question. I'm actually honestly don't know. Am I still supposed to say God? Like for that person, like let's say someone has this G dash D do I say, <laughs> like, do I, <laughs> do, am I supposed to say something else if I'm reading that out loud? I don't like it. I don't like someone putting a dash. Sorry. I, I know there's probably some of you probably do that. G dash D or L dash R D. Are we avoiding the letter? O? <laughs> like, I, like, I just <laughs> like, like what's, what are you communicating you know, to me? Here's the thing is that like, I know <laughs> the I know the week that Rob has had. And so I know what's going on here. But no, at the what, same time, what are, like what are you communicating to me? To the listening audience, to the listening audience, it's probably people are like, what in the world is happening? And I know the backstory here, but our listening audience doesn't. Okay, no, Caleb, Rob is like, on what, a like, on a kick. If I, if I sent you an email and I just like let's say, Caleb, you know. You need to listen to G D's word for your life. Like, if you, what would you think? Like, would you go, okay, Rob doesn't want to write the word God because why? Like, what are you communicating? Like, am I supposed to go, oh, this is a sign I have to like take a deep breath and remember this is like, oh, this is the creator we're talking about and, and we can't actually write his name. Do, do you but want to know English. what I, we're not. Do you want to know what I actually think it communicates? Yeah. That people yeah. are attempting to adhere to modern day rabbinic tradition. Okay. So that emerges from English Orthodox Jewish world? I think so because I see Jew, I see non-believing Jewish uh, teachers using G-D. 
Okay. So, so they're trying to differentiate them. They're saying we're going to use the English language, but we're not going to. I think it's another want to be Jewish. In other words, I'm going to try to be as Jewish as possible. So I'm, I believe in Jesus, but the closer I can get to being Jewish and still believing in Jesus, maybe like that shows that I'm. And would I you put some, Yeshua, would you put Y-E-S hyphen, like would you hyphenate Yeshua's name? Well, now you now in we get English? back to our now we get back to our original conversation of whether or not the majority of messianics believe in the triune God or whether or not they believe or they're Unitarians. I think that the majority. So I don't think do, I've ever seen Yeshua hyphenated. I mean, apostrophe. Right. Some people put Y, but that's just because it's a the vocal Shua Yeshua. They're, they but right. never a hyphen. I've never seen Yeshua's name hyphened. I've never seen Ruach Hakodesh hyphenated, but I've seen G hyphen D and I've seen L hyphen R D. And okay, I'm just so, like, can so someone separate, is there a is there a is there a halakhic ruling in like yeah, the so, so does this Jewish? actually does this actually show people's uh, belief of Yeshua? And here's the thing: is that what about if it's in English? So this would separate Hebrew roots from from Messianic, but the Messianics who would then type the word Jesus, are you going to put a dash where the U is? Right. Because Except if Yeshua know, is in, God, in, then you shouldn't be saying Yeshua either, right? Or writing Yeshua. Or is it just the or is it just the four letter name of God? By the I way, like, I, I would so, just say you know we don't have to keep talking about this now, but I would like to just put an open invite to for someone who has who has a, thinks they have insight on this or understand it, leave us a voicemail or email. I want to know like did is there a general halakhic? Yeah, well you know why 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 do we hyphenate the word God and Lord? It doesn't make any sense to me. And then if we're going to do that, why are we not hyphenating? Yeshua and Holy Spirit. Like, do you think, here, let, let me ask you a question, because I'm about to write on this, by the way, or at least comment on it in a video. Maybe I'll comment on it in this video. And then write on it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody both. actually sent me something saying, and I'm not going to get into what it was, but that, but it, there was a question answer. And the question was, what is the name of God? And the answer was the name of God is yod heh as, uh, as put forward in scripture. Now I wrote back to this person and I said, I don't think that this is accurate. Because would you say that El Shaddai is less of God's name than yod heh Would you say, you know, I, now granted, people can point to things like the name above all names, things like that. But if we look at Dr. Uh, Daniel Block's work, he points out, and I think that this is 100% on the mark, that the first time that we see yod heh is actually in Genesis 2-4. And in Genesis 2-4, it seems as though God is setting up a covenant with, with Adam in the garden, right? What evangelicals call the covenant of works, right? If you do this work, then we're not in covenant relationship anymore. If you don't do this work, we maintain covenant relationship. And so what Block says is that yod heh is actually God's covenantal name. He uses it when he's talking about covenant. Now, if we look through the scriptures, I think that he's got a major point here. And this is actually... So. This is why the name above all names would make sense because it's the name that w- that is in co- like it's how God manifests Himself in covenant relationship with us. But that doesn't mean that His other names aren't just as much the name of God, right? Right. Plus, name it also means His fame, His Personhood. reputation, His right. His His uh, street cred, like in history. Yeah, street cred. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Let's actually, you know, I we haven't even gotten to anything yet. Yeah, what, what's our show about? about? I don't actually know, but we're going to find out right now. Okay, we'll just touch on this real quick. Actually, you know what? Maybe we won't. Let's, before we get to this, let's go back to, we've been talking about this show. Uh, we've been talking about the deity of Christ and the Trinity. Uh, we got this email from a good friend of ours, Stephanie. She wrote in and she said, uh, the deity of Messiah keeps coming up, but this take on it is new to me, although it may not be new to you. This may be a tad long. And it is a long email. It's this back and forth between her and this other people and this other person. I don't know where what medium they're using. It looks almost like they were using like Instagram or something. Anyway, maybe email. Who knows? The point is, is that... Um, there is a lot to unpack, and I mean a lot to unpack here. And I don't think that we have time to actually go through this whole thing. 
But we can read a couple of parts of it, and this is where we're going to get into this idea of divine. Somebody else sent me something from another Hebrew Roots teacher today who said that uh, Yeshua is divine. And, I, you know, I think that uh, words don't have meaning. Meaning has words, right? My father says this all the time. And so, so how are people using the word divine? I don't know what that word means to people anymore, especially within the Hebrew Roots and, and, and Messianic movement. Within evangelical Christianity, if we say... Jesus is divine. What do we mean? We mean he is God. He's yod heh vav -Hey. That's not how people are using it within the Hebrew Roots movement, for sure. At least some of the teachers. I don't know if this person is a teacher or not. I, I can't assume they are. It is a woman, uh, which means nothing in terms of whether or not she's a Hebrew Roots teacher or not. This is what she says. Yeshua is God, but he is not the Most High. What? What are you talking about? How does that make sense? Like, so is he God or not? Anyway, they keep going. The Most High, yod heh vav -Hey, is the head of Messiah. Nowhere in Scripture does it claim Yeshua is equal to yod heh vav -Hey, except for Philippians 2 and all throughout the Tanakh and most of the apostolic scriptures as well. Anyway, Paul state this has continued their their. Their quote here, Paul states in numerous instances that Yeshua is subject to yod heh vav -Hey. That in no way is equal. See, should we just touch on this real quick? I mean, should we, should we take, this is a standard Christian evangelical and I think just all the way through Christianity view of Yeshua. What does it mean that the father is greater than the son? I mean, to me, especially if we read it in tandem with this, with all of scripture, right? Uh, specifically, if we look at like Philippians 2, the father is greater than the son in his role, right? The, the son does not find, I think it necessary to be uh, equal with the father, but lowers himself and comes in the form of a ser servant. So is the servant greater than the master? No, the master is greater than the, than, than the servant. Yeshua lowers himself to a place of servitude to the father in order to redeem his people. So within standard Christian doctrine, this is not anything that I'm coming up with, within standard Christian doctrine, the, the idea that the son is lesser or that the father is greater than the son is in their role. His authority yeah, the, is over the, the son. Right. Because it's not the father who died on the cross. Right. It's the son who died on the cross. But right. that doesn't mean our brain is going to be able to, right? It's... It, so, I mean, the, just this statement, that in no way is equal. Uh, I, I just don't understand how you can read the scriptures and believe that. He says, before Abraham so was, me, I You have am. seen the father. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, let's keep going with this. My, uh, my son... Uh, my son is subject to me. Yes, I may exalt him to any position, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, now, you actually globbed on to a piece of this that I had not globbed on to, which is the, the statement that there are two mercy seats in heaven. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So do you yeah. want to talk that, about that okay. now, or should I this, keep going? This is, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Dr. Block, Caleb, on this, because... He does, I want to say, is it the word biblical commentary? He does Ezekiel. Yeah. 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 So like, I'm just saying, if anybody, like you've, if you've done some Hebrew and you want to get into Ezekiel and you want to read a commentary, I would, I would recommend starting with uh, uh, Daniel Block's, uh, I believe it's the word biblical commentary, but if you just do word Bible Ezekiel commentary, commentary yeah. you'll find it. Um, but anyway, yeah, that this, the person that, that we saw in this email says that there are, there's a greater mercy seat and a lesser mercy seat in heaven. And this is proven by the Septuagint translation of Ezekiel 43. And the greater mercy seat is for you. What was it? I don't have it in front of me. What, what she said, the greater mercy seat is for Yodhivave and the lesser mercy seat is for Yeshua. Is that, it was towards the beginning. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I'm, 
So Ezekiel forty-three in the Septuagint so states that. So yeah, it's it's right here. It says. Uh, uh, he sits at the right hand of Yodhevavhe, denoting second in charge and eternal. Ezekiel 43 in the Septuagint states there are two mercy seats in the heavenly tabernacle the great mercy seat, Yodhevavhe, and the lesser mercy seat, Yeshua. I don't see anything that alludes to a trinity. Okay, so this is, this is like one of the most, I, I didn't know whether to, it's one of those, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. It's a little of both. It's it's taking this Greek word hilasterion, which is translated in certain places as the uh, uh, a caporet, which is the lid Mercy that goes seat, over yeah. the um, uh, the ark. The ark, but it's describing like the the ridge, the the ridges that go around it. Okay, now. Um, all it's describing, if you look at Ezekiel, all it's describing is the altar as in Ezekiel's temple, which is has these, it's like stairs, it's um like a wedding cake, like a square wedding cake tiered. where you have a bigger foundation, then the next one's smaller, and then the next yeah, one's tiered. smaller, and it's got three. And you have the big one is the base, the smaller one, and then on top of that's the altar proper, and then you have la- a ladder that goes up the side. Well, if you look at um, Block's commentary, he's got a great... Uh, graphic where he shows the pictures with the dimensions. I looked at, um, I looked at the, another Bible commentary. I don't remember. And they had a good, good pictures of, of what's going on here. And it's, it's so crazy that they're, they're looking a at the Greek translation, which doesn't understand what the Hebrew is, is it's trained translating this word as hilasterion, which doesn't mean that. But yet the person that they're willing to point to some obscure Septuagint text as proof of two mercy seats in heaven, which mercy seat isn't really even a biblical term anyway. It comes from Luther's, I think it was Luther's translation of of the the cover, you know, the piece that has I think it, the, was, I think it was Tyndale. Was it Tyndale? And I know trying it was, to understand. I, I, know, I know it was Tyndale. <laughs> okay. So it, 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 but it didn't mean like a chair. I don't, I think they meant it's like the place where the blood would go. Right. It doesn't mean that there are two, the way she uh, talked about it, it almost sounded like there are two arcs or something. And this isn't even in the holy place. This is out in the court in the, where the altar is, where, where the burnt offerings and everything go. Anyway, this, it's so bad. This, this was almost like as bad as like Lunar Sabbath. And um, what are some of the other like claims, like some of the sacred name or some of the paleo Hebrew meanings of words and stuff like that. This was on board with that. Um, but, but what I realized is that there's people who they carry that around in like their back pocket, like as like, like edification to their worldview. To me, this sounds like internet scholarship. In other words, I've, I've found a couple of things on a couple of blogs and I'm going to take it as truth without doing the hard work of, of seeing whether or not it's true or not. In other words, and I think some of this has to do, you know, I used to think that this was just pure laziness. It's not though. I think what it has to do with is the fact that people don't either A, have the resources to study on their own. In other words, they might be in a place where they don't have a good theological library anywhere close to them, or they don't have books themselves, or they don't have money to buy books. So that that could be one of them. Uh, but the the other thing, you know, so I, in other words, I don't think that people have access sometimes to it, but also that people have never been taught like how to study. In other words, like you can't just go online and, and see something that looks like it has a bunch of footnotes and say, oh, this might be true. You know, one of the things that I do now, anybody can post anything they want on academia.edu. You don't have to be like, it's not oh, like, I know. Don't, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not like, just... it's not like people are sitting there you know, looking through every single article and saying, oh, this is this is good scholarship or not, <laughs> right? So anybody can post anything on there. So if something comes across my desk from from uh, academia.edu, the first, I, I treat it like something I'm reading on the internet. It doesn't matter how many footnotes they have, right? Yeah, I'm not, and if it says, even if it says doctor, I'm like, okay. Yeah. And if it <laughs> yeah, says exactly. doctor, rabbi, I'm dude, dude, all... 
Oh, yeah. And that's just it is that especially in the I don't know what it is in the past three months, we've seen a slew of people just attaching doctor to the front of their names. All of a sudden they're doctors. Yeah. And 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 I'm like, okay, wow, there's there's a lot of people becoming doctors. And I go and I look at their schools and this goes back to the to the comment that we had. What was it last week or the week before where I was asking about, like, do we call people out who have gone to to diploma mills? There are a lot of diploma mills out there that are just if you you know, if you pay six thousand dollars to us and we'll we'll give you a doctor. You know, we'll we'll let you pretend that you're doing some coursework and then we'll give you a doctorate. And the Messianics and the Hebrew Roots are jumping on it. Now, don't get me wrong. There are legitimate people, like people who have legitimate doctorates within the Messianic movement. Kinzer's one of them, right? Kinzer's a legitimate scholar. We disagree with him, but he's a legitimate scholar. And at least you go to Kinzer and you'll see his published works and you'll see where he got his degree. I've seen these doctor rabbis out there that are claiming oh, for themselves, they're claiming them the confidence of like a Kinzer right. or, of a, or a Michael Brown, but they haven't done the act. They don't have the competency. So that's what we call narcissism, really. <laughs> yeah, you, but, and, but they don't like, what have you done? Like, what have you pro- like show what you've produced? Like, so I found websites with, with, you know, ways online learning from a doctor rabbi, but it does. There's. I looked in vain trying to find like where did this guy get his? What's his doctorate? Where did he go to school? And what has he published? Like, can I read some of his stuff? Look, it's Nothing. the same. It's it's the same. In and also with the schools, I, can you show me like court like your academic, you know, your course catalog? Like, can you give me some it's, substance? Nothing. Here's the thing, though. It's the same in Judaism as it is in Christianity. Within Christianity, if somebody has a legitimate doctorate, what's happened is they've gone to school for four years after they've gotten their undergrad, right? For the most part. So at least four years of school to get a master's and a doctorate, okay? And so people who have spent that much money and that much time doing that kind of work are happy and proud to show you who they have studied under and what they have produced. And it's the same in Judaism. If somebody, dude, rabbinical school is four years long. It's the same as a doctorate. So if you go to like, uh, you know, if you find a rabbi who is who has gone to rabbinical school, it'll say they got their, you know, they went to rabbinical school here. They got their degree here under this rabbi. Right. And then you go to these messianics and it's like, oh, rabbi, where'd you get your, you know, where, what rabbinical school did you go to? They didn't go anywhere. They, they just decided that since since it means teacher, that, that that that's what they are. It's the same as people who say, oh, I'm a doctor now. Really, what was your dissertation on and who did you study under? Nobody wants to tell you. Uh, let's go back to this email. So here is, here's the part that really intrigued me. This email, this person says, Yeshua is definitely divine and sits at the right hand of, the, of our heavenly father, yod heh as our high priest. I believe he is not the father, but the son. Okay, so, so far... I'm well, on board. Why would board. we say that? that where? <laughs> well, but so far I'm on board. Yeshua is definitely divine. Check. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I believe that means he's Yod Vave. So is he someone out there saying that Yeshua is the father? Like, I don't why know. would someone say, well, I don't believe Yeshua is the father? This is a misunderstanding of the, of the Trinity, I think. But anyway, they say he sits at the right hand of the heavenly father. I agree. It says that in scripture. He is our high priest. I agree. We, I believe he is not the father, but the son. Agree completely. Now, this is where it gets a little wackadoo, okay? And do I have, let me see if I just have a precursor here. Do I have, uh, I don't. Oh, that sucks. Oh, maybe I do. Do I? I don't. Anyway, I can't find it. My, my wackadoo. <laughs> thing would be perfect to play right now. Anyway, let's go back to it. So they say this, he is not the most high Elohim, that is God, because there is only one Elohim, most high God, but he is Elohim in the sense of one who stands as yod heh representative. Let's just stop right there for a second. So he stands as the representative of yod heh He's not yod heh but he's divine. What? How does that work out? What do we mean by the word divine? Is he created or is he not? Is he yod heh or is he not? These are the questions that really need to be asked. But he is, okay. For example, Moses is God to Pharaoh because he stands as God's representative in the court of Egypt. He is also God to his brother Aaron, Exodus 4.16. 
in God's place of authority. In this same respect, Yeshua is God to us. So that would tell me that he is not God, that he's, he's just, he just acts as God to us, that he's not divine because he's... And when we say divine, what does that mean? Look, this all goes back to... Uh, I think that this is a... Uh, a lack of knowledge of church history. Because this is what Arius essentially said. Basically, these people are Arians. Because Arius said that Yeshua was created, that he was an agent of God, and that he was a lesser yod heh He uses that word, lesser yod heh Now, this was the first major, major debate among the at the church council, right? The Council of Nicaea. And this is my favorite church history story when Santa Claus stands up in the middle of the Council of Nicaea and slaps Arius, right? Why? Because Arius says that Yeshua is created and that he is he is a lesser yod vave that he is a created being, but that he's still somehow God and can be worshipped. And this is where Santa Claus, St. Nick, gets up in the middle of the Council of Nicaea and he slaps him. Uh, an alternative tradition is he had a backpack full of like skateboards in a bag. Yes, and he, exactly. So it wasn't just one skateboard. It was a whole bag of skateboards. Boom. But the point is, is that these people are saying the exact same thing. They have just changed the wording a hair so that it doesn't sound like they're outright Aryans. They probably don't even know what Arianism is. But the point is, is, oh, I'm going to change the word God to Elohim so that it sounds, you know, Hebrew rootish. I don't know. I don't know what that is. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, change well, the, it just a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to use the word divine. He is divine, but he's not yod He's not God. So, so will they say he's begotten, but not made? So the idea is that with the begotten, that is just to convey that is the same. Like what God makes is not God. Like what humans make is not human. But hum what humans beget is human. Right? It's of the same substance. It's of the same of the same. But that doesn't mean that there was a time where Yeshua was not. That we have to be careful how far we push on these things. Right? It it so I believe that it, that it, that the Son is eternal, right? I mean that Yeshua is eternal. So this is okay, and this is this there is wasn't where it gets, a time where Yeshua, and that's one of the issues. Was there a time where Yeshua didn't exist? Right. So and if, it, and if there was a time where Yeshua came into being, then then he's a created being. I mean, this gets so... Oh, okay. Oh, and this is where I'm going to plug my own self. Go for it. I'm going to plug myself. And I'm going to plug Rob Van Hoff. Shameless, shameless plug. Shameless plugs here. Um, so th they say, are we to worship Yeshua in the sense of offering sacrifices to him? Now, this is where I'm going to plug myself. This, is act this was actually the... Uh, subject of my thesis that I was writing for Torah Resource Institute. It never came to fruition. I, I stopped writing it and moved on. Uh, I had about 50 pages written. There was another 50 pages that needed to be to be written on it. I have piecemealed it out. And uh, when I read this email, it came flooding back to me. And so what I did was I wrote an article. It, the article is called Sacrifice to Yeshua? Question mark, a radical reinterpretation of Luke 2219. I have posted that on pronomian.com in the members area. Uh, if you are a member of pronomian.com, you can go, you can view it now. Um, and it'll be released to the public for as, for as little as $5 a month. You too can be a member and read it today. Nice. Do it. Um, however, if you are not a member, then it will be released sometime next week and you will be able to read it then. Um, I'm going to plug, uh, anyway, it's a six, it's a six page article and I've condensed my thought of that was going to be a hundred pages into six pages. So it's a lot easier to digest and, and understand and just kind of get the overall flavor of where I was coming from. With that said, uh, I have also just released a new article by a amazing scholar named Rob Van Hoff. Oh, uh, yes. I heard of uh, him. It was I'd be suspicious it, if I heard you. Be careful. It's titled God Sees You, and uh, it can be found on the homepage 
of pronomian.com right now. So I would encourage you to go read that. It is a very good article. And uh, if you if that was released to our uh, members a week early as well. I'm also writing a current article on the Passover Seder and whether or not Yeshua celebrated the Passover Seder in the form that we have it today. That will be released to our members probably within a week or so. And then uh, also... On to another one. Okay. Yeah, the, the chat room. You got Rob Van Hoff? Oh, my. Okay, so uh, uh, let's go back to this email. They say, uh, I believe, we, uh, so let's back up. They say, I believe that we are to pray only to the Father in Yeshua's name. That is his authority, which is the example Yeshua gives. So, but what do we do? Okay, what what then do we do with that he ever lives to make intercession for us. In other words, he's the one accepting our prayers and taking him to the Father. Anyway, Yeshua is our high priest residing in the heavenlies who intercedes for us. Okay, I don't see anywhere that we are to pray specific, uh, specially to Yeshua. Okay, um, then they say, are we to worship Yeshua in the sense of offering sacrifices to him? Yes. Yes, I believe he says that. They say, no, we only sacrifice to and serve. Then they give the Strong's number, yod heh alone. Fear yod heh your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.13. And actually, I, I agree with this. We're supposed to only sacrifice to yod heh which is why his, his command to do this in remembrance of me is a declaration of deity. He is saying that he is God. And you can read all about that in that article on pronomian.com. Right now, if you're a member, in a week, if you're not. They go on, there's a difference between who we serve and who we pay. Obeisance? I think they, anyway, obeisance or worship to. Well, it comes back to the question of of our work, the greatest commandment, which is greater than sacrifice, right? The greatest commandment is love God, is hero Israel, Lord of God, Lord is one. You shall love him with all your heart, et cetera, et cetera. Then love your neighbor as yourself. And as we know from like Mark 12, this is greater than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices, right? And all the other commandments are contingent upon love of God. So the question is, is my love of Yeshua a fulfillment of the first commandment or the second commandment? Right. Is my love for Yeshua just like my love for another person? Or is my love of Yeshua the love, my love of yod And my answer is unashamedly, our love of Yeshua is the fulfillment of the first greatest commandment. Yeshua does not change. My love for Caleb and 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 his love back for me, we are cha- we're changing, growing, developing uh, people. We need to hear part of that love is correction. Part of that love is encouragement. Part of that love is that our love for Yeshua is never... <laughs> We're never going to, there's never a situation where a human corrected Yeshua. There's never a situation where a human could have, could love Yeshua as anything other than God. There's, there, there is no, there, there is no way to love Yeshua as, as your neighbor. It's just, it, it, because it's not reciprocal in that manner. We abide in Yeshua's love. And then we love one another and learn about Yeshua's love and we grow and develop. But Yeshua doesn't grow and develop. We grow and develop. Agreed. Let's see if I got this worked out. Hang on. No, that did not work either. Take nabbit. Are we having technical difficulties? Um, not exactly. Let's go. Caleb, did, are you going dial up? You mentioned a new modem. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Right. Remember the sound that used to be? Yeah, I can't get I can't get my uh, I can't get my thing to work. That stinks. Oh well. All right. Well, I think that that's uh, that's going to do it for us today. I I mean, we've kind of been all over the place with a, a focus a little bit somewhere. And uh, next week, I don't think that we'll talk about deity issues. But you know what? Honestly, it's a issue that keeps coming up over and over and over and over again. And I don't know if that's because we're, you know, touching the Hebrew roots and the Messianic movement, or if it's because it's just what is on it. Maybe it's the battle lines that are is across uh, the believing communities. You know, 
when I go at, at the church that I go to, this is not an issue that uh, I hear people talk about. Now that might be because everybody is unified in this in this uh, in this belief, but um, I don't know. It's you know it, it seems like it's more of the Hebrew roots messianic flavor that tends to want to reject the Trinity. Um, so okay, well uh, yeah. It's been fun. It's been real. I think that uh, if you want to be a part of this conversation and help us uh, form our um, our show topics for next week, please go ahead and do so. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, chegg at torahresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torahresource.com. Go read Rob's new article on pronomian.com. And God keep sees a- you. God's like doing this. Yep. And uh, keep an eye open for Sacrifice to Christ, the new uh, the new article that I will be releasing shortly. And if you want to read it today, you can go become a member. All right. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.